Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. This is Jimmy Miller, an associate editor with the magazine. Okay, so 2020 was a hard year for everybody. And so many of you chipped in in some charitable way. Maybe you helped out in your local communities. Maybe you donated money to a national organization. However you could, you likely helped. But sometimes finding ways to help is not that easy. Enter Mike Haynes, the founder of Loving. Loving provides residential and commercial landscaping, hardscaping, outdoor living, irrigation, grounds management, you name it, they've seemingly got it. But Mike is trying to organize something a little bit bigger than his own company. Mike recently introduced Industry Collective, which will help you organize quarterly service projects and get involved with your community. As most people do these days, Mike and I sat down via Zoom, and we talked a little bit about what the Industry Collective is trying to do and how you can get started. First of all, thank you so much for for making some time for me. I really appreciate it, Mike. Um, now, why don't you just go ahead and, and, and we'll start here. You kind of have like the quintessential uh, story where you mow neighbors' lawns and then just one thing leads to another. Yeah, that's right. I have uh, probably a similar story of my start that many in the green industry have. So I started just mowing neighbors' lawns uh, when I was in school. No, I didn't want to go to college. When I graduated high school, uh, went straight into the business, was mowing about 100 uh, lawns at that time when I graduated high school. So I had a full-time business, never really loved mowing grass. Um, so began focusing on landscaping. And one thing led to the other. We began working for home builders, which then allowed us to begin scaling at, you know, pretty pretty fast rate. So, but it all started just mowing neighbor's lawns. At what point did you realize, hey, there's more to the green industry than just mowing lawns? Yeah, so I think I knew all along. I think the biggest thing is I just didn't have really the skill set, I would say, or really you know, the experience on the landscaping side. So it wasn't that I, you know, had anything against the maintenance side of the business. It just wasn't super exciting to take a lawn that was tall and make it short manicured. So it was more being able to transform spaces and take something that's ugly and make it pretty. So um, out of the gates, you know, 2005, 2006, 2007, after I graduated high school, we just were blessed with a couple of clients that really believed in us probably more than we believed in ourselves. And that led to the next referral and the next referral and the next referral, um, which ultimately is what turned our business into much more of a landscape provider um, than a maintenance provider. Yeah, absolutely. Now, take me through the name Loving. Yeah, so originally it was Loving Lawn Care. So it's this idea of loving what we're doing. So we just provided lawn care services and then moved to the Loving Group uh, because we had many people that felt like, these people must just mow grass since they're, they have lawn care in their name. So the loving group seemed to be a little bit more all-encompassing. And then as we added on the sod farming business and our outdoor living business, um, those were all sitting on their own, sitting in their own lane from a branding perspective. And a couple of years ago, we said, hey, why don't we just roll everything um, up in under one brand, that brand being loving, just something that's a simple word that's tied to our passion and purpose. Um, we do have a client. Uh, focused, you know, kind of mindset. We also have a team member focused mindset. So we want to make sure that we're focused on creating an environment for our team to be able to be as successful as possible and ultimately to serve our customer to the best of their their ability. So really loving is this idea of passion and purpose. Uh, Two things that really drive our business. Now what is, 
what has this, you know, team member first kind of mentality and client first mentality done for your uh, employee retention? You know, that's uh, retention and recruiting are obviously two huge issues in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I think that I can't say that we don't have the same labor woes that uh, every other landscaper is experiencing, but we do, you know, retain our employees at a, at a really, a really good rate. I think ultimately it's focused on creating a team that truly is about being a team. So working together, but also playing together, also understanding um, that there's tough seasons that we all go through. I think one of the things that makes me the most proud of our team is when they come alongside each other. You know, when a team member's going through a hard time, a loss, maybe a divorce, something that's a setback for them, I think ultimately where we've been blessed um, is a team that does feel like family, as cheesy um, as that sounds. I think it's, it is it is true, and we have team members that have been with us from nearly the beginning, which I think just helps uh, for that stability. I think that one of the most dangerous things that probably any business could experience would, would be turnover. So we focus on making sure that we're empowering our team members to the very best of our ability and ultimately setting them up for what we call QOL, quality of life. Um, it's something that at times can be very, very challenging, especially when you're growing fast. Growing fast and quality of life um, are like oil and water. So you really have to have an intentionality when you're growing wickedly fast to make sure that you're looking at burnout, working too many hours, not spending time with uh, you know team members, not being able to spend time with their family. Um, and that's just something we're always focused on. We'll never arrive at being able to create the perfect quality of life, but it is something that we're always intentional in trying to place a focus on. That's so fascinating. And and I think it's a refreshing perspective, especially given the kind of year that I think a lot of not only your employees, but you know, worldwide people have had. What was that quality of life discussion like around the pandemic, uh, particularly when it started? It was so difficult because it was unknown. So um, we're focused in home building, so our stock farming operations, our landscape installation operations, our outdoor living operations are all focused on serving home builders. And in spring of 2020, nobody knew what was going to happen. Nobody knew if home building was going to fall off the cliff or if it was going to be able to survive. So I think just that unknown, I think one of the greatest fears that one can face is the fear of the unknown. And we had a lot of that in 2020. So I think it was just navigating through that, understanding that we didn't know exactly what things were going to look like. Rather, it was going to be a reduction in business by 30 or 40 percent, or rather it was going to be, um, you know, the business was going to come in as planned. Obviously, at this point, we can see that you know, we've been blessed to be in an industry that has benefited from um, the whole work from home. Um, so we don't serve commercial or office. We don't serve industrial. We serve home builders. And if you think of where are people living, where are people working, where are people being educated, where are people purchasing their groceries online, home. So we've been blessed to, you know, to be in an organization, in an industry uh, that really has not been negatively impacted, but that has gotten benefits of uh, this new normal. But we didn't know that in spring of 2020. So, um, you know, it was an interesting year. It was definitely a year of um, a year that nobody saw coming. But our team stuck together. Uh, we had adversity like every other team. We had team members that um, they got COVID. It was really, really tough. But what I tell our team all the time is that um, I think every team can, can win together, uh, but it's when you face that adversity um, that many teams can't lose together. So just kind of looking at your new initiative, this industry collective idea, was this something that you had in mind prior to the pandemic or did the pandemic kind of kickstart this idea of 
hey, as an industry, we can do a little bit more to give back to our communities, which I assume is kind of the goal of the project. Yeah, that's right. So our mission as an organization is to create a positive impact. So the idea is to create a positive impact in the communities that we serve um, through outreach partners. So that's been something that's been at the core of who we are um, forever. So we began looking last year at, you know, what are opportunities to be able to maybe increase the impact outside of our four walls, but ultimately within the industry. So uh, we sat down and we thought, well, what if we cast this vision? Many of our outreach projects are done in a kind of pre-programmed, very simple, uh, not huge commitments of time, not huge commitments of money. So we thought maybe we take some of this framework that we have in place and offer it to other landscape companies across the country to be able to do simple service projects once a quarter, right? where they're located. So the idea came from this belief that as an industry, I think we can lock arms and make a massive impact through small projects that are done individually that ultimately, when coordinated together, um, you know, create big, big impacts. So uh, we had, you know, a dream which we thought was kind of a, a you know, maybe a far-fetched dream of having 4,000 uh, team members, 4,000 landscape employees that would be enrolled in industry collectives by the end of this year. So we thought, well, let's toss it out. We've just been blown away by the response. Um, companies across the country that really are hungry to serve their communities, that are really hungry to have a simple, simple way to do it, um, where they don't have to take their focus off of their business, but again, can rather have this kind of pre-programmed um, serve event that they can do right at their location. So I just got an update Last week, we've crossed 20,000 uh, landscape employees. Wow. So it's just <laughs> an amazing response from the industry. And you thought 4,000 was kind of like a shoot for the moon kind of thing. Yeah, when we said 4,000 in 2021, you know, by the end of 2021, most people looked at us like, are you crazy? But there's just been, there's been top-notch organization that, organizations um, out of the gates that believed in the vision. So I think, you know, Mike Bogan with Landcare, I think, was huge and saying, hey, we want to get behind this, Tim Portland with Yellowstone, um, Brandon Duke with Juniper. I mean, just some of the companies that I've admired for a really, really long time that said, hey, let's lock arms and let's figure out how to serve. So I think it was really a lot of those organizations out of the gates that were pivotal in being able to get the momentum that, uh, that ultimately we're seeing today. Obviously, numbers-wise, it looks like you've got a pretty good thing going here already, but um just response uh from some of these landscapers uh you know you have them kind of spread out across the country what have they told you about this idea well i think ultimately i think you know landscapers are i I think we're a really really unique industry because we really do care for the environments and the people that we work alongside so I, i don't think that there's a lack of our industry wanting to make a positive impact or serving those community i think it's how so like every landscaper, we uh, run very, very busy, and sometimes it's these items uh, like outreach projects that get pushed to the back burner because of the fires that we're fighting. So I think the greatest response that we've gotten is just the appreciation for the simplicity. Uh, literally, a landscape company has to go in, say how many employees they have that want to participate or that they want to participate in the event, it then based on what the event is, it calculates what a materialist would be. We've been able to procure all of the material. The first project we're doing is packing hygiene kits. 
So we've been able to procure the material at a reduced rate based upon the volume, um, you know, of, of participation. It pumps out, here's the material, and then literally they say yes or no. If, if they say yes, then uh, it says how much the product is going to cost. That's their only responsibility as a landscaper is to provide, um, you know, the funds to purchase the product. They purchase those directly through um, the provider. And then everything else, we package it. We ship it as industry collective to their location. They open the box. It's got some directions of how to set up. They do the event. They put it back in the package, and it's redistributed through, um, you know, in this case, on the hygiene kits, Convoy of Hope. So it's the simplicity that I think has gotten probably the greatest momentum. So where is the hygiene kits project at in terms of uh, its progress? Yeah, so it'll be the first, like I said, it'll be quarterly events. So it's the first quarterly event. It'll be in June. So it'll be one week. Landscape companies that are uh, participating can choose the day within that week. What we're recommending is that it would be done in coordination with like a tailgate talk or uh, a team meeting. Um, and literally, you know, just set it up and it takes 20 to 30 minutes. They repackage the items. Uh, we come pick them up and then they ultimately would be redistributed to Convoy of Hope. So uh, we're still bringing on companies. We have calls every other week with companies that are interested in joining or learning more about it. So our cutoff for the June project is in about 30 days. Uh, so there's still plenty of opportunity, plenty of time for folks to be able to join this first project. Uh, the second project we already have scheduled to be in August, and that'll be packing back to school pack. So the only difference between that project and the hygiene kits is uh, the hygiene kits will all be recollected. Uh, from each location and then distributed as one through Convoy of Hope who stages these hygiene kits in preparation for natural disaster with the back-to-school packs that will be packed. It will be the same idea of assembly line um, at each participant's location. The only difference is, is we're recommending that they would redistribute the back-to-school packs right there in the communities that they're located just because there's obviously um, a need and ultimately um, what we want to do is in many of these projects keep keep the results right there in the communities where the landscapers are located. Sure. What is, what is in the hygiene kits? Well, so you just have kind of the basics that are needed. So you think about someone who's experiencing a tornado or experiencing a hurricane, any natural disaster, it's just the basics of shampoo and soap, um, toothbrush, toothpaste, washcloth, um, just those four items that oftentimes, quite honestly, are forgotten about. So I think all too often after a natural disaster and after a natural disaster, you know, everyone's mind goes to such a high level of need that oftentimes, you know, the basics are forgotten. So um, we've seen time and time again where these hygiene kits being delivered are things that really give people a peace of mind as they're dealing with, um, you know, a natural disaster of any sort. So um, just the fundamentals that are needed, they're in a pack and ultimately when there's natural disaster that happens, they go and they're handed out something that is small, but something that makes, um, something that people are very, very appreciative to receive. Now, how do you pick the projects? Like, how did you get to the point where you decided, okay, we're going to do hygiene kits or we're going to do back to school? Um, you know, what is the process? Do you meet with like a board or anything? You know, who, who decides this? Yeah. So industry collective, we have what, what we call pioneers. So the pioneers are those companies, the Landcare Innovations, the Gachinas, the Yellowstone, Site One, the Bartlett Trees, the Juniper Landscaping, the Sandoval, all of those companies that committed um, to helping to launch 
know, what the project looks like. There's really only one uh, prerequisite that has to, um, you know, stand each and every time. That's that it's simple and that it's very cost effective. We don't want this to cost very much for a landscaper to do, and ultimately we don't want it to require a ton of a commitment at time, just knowing that most landscapers stay busy. I, I noticed that your LinkedIn post had a pretty good response, but what other avenues are you going through to kind of recruit some of these companies to join this collective? Well, really, we've just done it as a grassroots. So we've put together a couple social media assets that have been distributed to those pioneers that helped launch this. And it's just being pushed out through social media. We obviously, um, you know, love the idea of being able to take it to, you know, respective publication like yours, um, be able to spread it. Our goal has been to make sure that we're getting the message of what it is out and that ultimately people are being able to make the decision not in a force, but more in a, hey, I get to do this. Um, this is an opportunity for us to serve. So we don't want it to feel like a, like a hard push or any pressure. We want ultimately those leading companies that help launch this. We want them to set the example of what this can be. And then ultimately, we just want to do everything we can to educate the public and in our industry about how simple this how simple this is um now a few minutes ago kind of backtracking a little bit you said that you know you kind of have like these weekly calls with companies who are coming in and saying hey we want to join um what are the details um for a company that's listening to this podcast like how would they join the collective yeah so i mean it's pretty simple so it starts out you just simply text impact so i-m-p-a-c-t to 474747 and then from there uh, information will be provided a link will be provided back and it really guides through the entire process it'll go through from beginning to end what it looks like and then at that point if there's further interest then we recommend that they join one of the calls just to be able to talk through some of the details and to be able to provide any additional information that they want awesome um, well, hey, Mike, thank you so much. I, I think that answers everything I had, but is there anything that we didn't already talk about with this that you think I should know for the story? No, no, and I appreciate you taking the time to be able to help spread the message. I think ultimately what I would do is just reiterate the fact that Industry Collective is an opportunity to serve alongside those in our industry to be able to make a, an impact in the communities that we serve. Super simple, very small commitment. Uh, financially, you only have to purchase the products that are being uh, distributed and then a very small uh, commitment of time. So there's only, you know, uh, one event each quarter that lasts about 20 to 30 minutes. In 2022, one of the feedback items that we've gotten from many that have joined is, well, can we do landscape projects in our communities? Um, So starting in 2022, obviously, we're going to be mindful of COVID and um, you know, hopefully we'll be able to gather in, in larger groups at that time, but we'll begin doing serve days. So, uh, serve weeks would be, uh, the quarterly, the weeks, uh, once a quarter, uh, where companies will be serving a serve day would be, um, where locations would be, uh, chosen to actually do a landscape project. So kind of a big, um, you know, landscape makeover, let's call it. Um, so we already have in San Francisco, we'll be doing a serve day where companies will get together at a location and be able to, uh, you know, beautify a neighborhood block or serve a nonprofit's location that's landscaped and out of control. We've got, we're going to have a serve day in Ohio, a serve day in the Carolinas, and then a serve day in Florida and um, in Texas. So those will be kind of the next steps. We'll continue to do the small projects once a quarter, 
And then we'll also open it up in 2022 where companies can commit at a little bit of a larger level to participate in a project with those that are uh, in the communities along with them. Cool. Is that kind of your um, ideal outcome? Is that kind of what you envision for the industry collective to be more of the community outward facing uh, service projects? Yeah, I think it's both, you know, and I think ultimately what we want to do is kind of hold loosely at exactly where this takes us. So we don't want to, you know, be so um, structured that we don't pay attention to the need, but there has been, um, you know, a lot of the landscape companies that have provided feedback that they would like to also do these type projects. Um, again, the served days would require a bit more commitment. Those that probably be done on Saturdays. So compared to the serve events where it's 20 or 30 minutes in the morning before crews are dispatched, a serve day would be, you know, linking up with a dozen other companies in the area and going in, uh, you know, doing an all day project. So there would be a bit more time commitment um, on those, but we do want to make that something that's available. Thank you for listening to the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. We'll catch you next time.